Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Antichrist also means instead of Christ. In other words, let me give you this instead of that. So if someone says, uh, Jesus was not the son of God. He really didn't come in the flesh. He did not come as a real person. We're still waiting on that to come. Then they're saying, not Jesus, but this. They're still saying you're not saved like you think that you are. There's still work for you to be done. You still have to please God with your life. You're still going to have to do this and do that. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Well, and welcome all of you here today. Welcome everybody here on the Sound of My Voice in Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. Now, I want to welcome our online community that are gathering from all around the world. We thank you guys so very much for tuning in. We know that today God has a rich word in store for you. God bless you. Well, we're going to continue in the series today entitled Reset. The Lord is resetting some things in us and through us. It's, it's time for a do-over. The last week, the last time we were here, uh, we spoke from the subject of the shaking of all things, or also uh, entitled The End is Near. We're going to go into a part two of that today. And I heard this this morning as we were in our, our, our prayer time before we start services here, as Sister uh, Trefina was uh, praying this morning. I'm making her famous right now, by the way. <laughs> as she was praying, I heard the Lord really deal with me about the seat of Satan. So we're going to overturn today the seat of Satan. There are some places, there are some strongholds that the enemy has in our lives that must be overturned so that God's glory can be revealed in us in a magnificent way. So join with me in today's word, and I will go even further. Now, let's start by asking some questions today. How many of us have said, and you may be seated in the presence of our life-changing king, how many of us have ever asked the question, uh, why is God allowing me to be defeated, or why is God allowing the enemy to defeat me or overcome me? Or why can't I move forward in life? Why can't I move forward? Or we've made statements like, I'm trying the best I can. I'm running as fast as I can. I'm trying as hard as I can. But it still seems like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Well, that could very well be because there is a seat of Satan that needs to be toppled over. It needs to be toppled over. You're going to see this very clearly in the Word of God. Let's go today uh, to 1 John, 1 John 4, 1 John 4. I'm going to read to you a few things here. And this talks about the Antichrist. 1 John, the fourth chapter, 1 John 4. Let's read verses um, 1 through 4. And it reads like this. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Many, notice that, many. Verse 2, this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body. King James says that they came in the flesh. 
that person has the Spirit of God. If they say that Jesus Christ came in a real body, if Jesus Christ came in the flesh, then that person is from God. Well, look at verse number three. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, what truth? That he came in the flesh, that he came in a real body. That person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Notice they said, notice that Littman's test of someone if they are really of God. What are they saying? The Lord says, if this person claims to be a prophet and if they say that Jesus has already come in a real body, the Savior has come, then chances are they're from the Father. But if they say Jesus has not come in the spirit, rather, not, he's not come in the flesh, he's not come in a fleshly body, a real body, then that means that he, that they're saying that the Messiah is still yet to come. And what Jesus did on the cross was irrelevant. That was not, Jesus was not the real Messiah. That's what they're saying. If they say he has not come in the flesh, he has not come, the Savior has not come, the Son of God has not come into the earth, they're saying Jesus Christ is false, and you need to look for another way of salvation. In other words, they're telling you, not Jesus, but instead, let me give you something else. They're saying, not Jesus, but something else. The Bible says that this is the spirit of Antichrist. The word anti can mean against, I'm coming against you, but it can also mean instead of. That's very big. You got to get this as the end time church. Antichrist also means instead of Christ. In other words, let me give you this instead of that. So if someone says, uh, Jesus was not the son of God. He really didn't come in the flesh. He did not come as a real person. We're still waiting on that to come. Then they're saying, not Jesus, but this. They're still saying you're not saved like you think that you are. There's still work for you to be done. You still have to please God with your life. You're still going to have to do this and do that. They bring you, instead of Jesus, they bring you something else instead of. When you think about Christ, think of instead of. Something else given in place for it. Now, as we talk about overturning the seat of Satan, uh, the Antichrist, this is something that is so insidious. It is so sneaky. It is, it is like a snake that comes in. And when, when it begins to wrap its uh, body around you, it's so slow and it's so deceptive, so smooth, you won't even know that it's happening. And so God has to send the shaking he has to send the shaking for you to realize what's going on. And we think, why aren't I winning in life? Why aren't I going forward? Why am I still going through the same thing? It's because of a seat of Satan that's been established. The enemy has been enthroned in a life. And he's taken that throne. And from that place, he's able to rain down a hostility in your life, rain down torment in your life, bitterness and all kind of calamity because he's enthroned there. And we can be worshiping, yes, Lord, we love you, Jesus. But there's a seat 
of Satan that needs to be toppled over and destroyed because something has been replaced. There's an antichrist spirit that has come and it is, we- it is woven its way in like an octopus with its tentacles. And it's so slippery you won't even know it. We're going to show you today in the Word of God about this. We're going to go into the Old Testament. I want you to see some things that the Lord revealed there. And then, Lord willing, we'll go further on in the New Testament. I want you to get a good picture of this so that you can overturn this stuff in your life as well. Let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter. 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter. And let's read uh, a few verses here. And it reads like this. 1 Samuel 4, verses uh, 1, 2, and 3 goes like this. And Samuel's word went out uh, to all the people of Israel. At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Israelite army was encamped near Ebenezer, and the Philistines were at Ephek. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the troops retreated uh, to their camp. And the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Stop there for a second. Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Now, that is a loaded question. One, they asked that question because the Lord had delivered them from their enemies in the past. They were expecting God to deliver them again, and he did not. Instead of asking, Lord, what do we do? They began to do something else. It goes on to say, they they asked, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, uh, let's bring the the, the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. Let's hop on down to verse number 10. So the Philistines fought desperately. After the Philistines saw the ark come in the camp, the the army of Israel just, they rejoiced and shouted so much that the Bible says the ground shook. The Philistines heard this and they said, oh no, the, the, the gods of Israel have come into the camp. We can't fight against the God of Israel. So they began to encourage themselves and say, hey, uh, Philistines, you better fight with all you got, because if you don't, then we will be their slaves just like they were our slaves. And so they fought desperately. And we see in verse number 10, the Philistines fought desperately and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. The ark of God was captured, and Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were killed. They were like the guardians of the ark. They brought the ark into the battle. Let's look down at verse number 19. After, of course, after the ark was captured, they told Eli, who was the priest, and when he heard the news that the ark was captured and his children were dead, his sons were dead, he fell over backwards and he broke his neck and he died. Phineas's wife was pregnant at the time. Let's look and see her reaction when she heard about her father-in-law and her husband. Verse 19 says, Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and near her time of delivery. 
When she heard that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth, but before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. You have a baby boy. But she did not answer or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod, which means where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. I want you to notice something again. This is something so very tricky that if you don't notice it, it will slide right by you. Notice how Israel, they lost. They were expecting to win. And in life, we are expecting to win. We're expecting God's favor and grace to be upon our lives. We're not expecting to be defeated by the enemy because after all, we are children of the most high God. Christ Jesus is on the inside of you. And the Bible says, greater is he is within you than he that is in the world. It's really impossible for you to lose. But yet and still, we see this contradiction. Israel said, why did God allow us to be defeated? Why is this? Why did he allow us to be defeated? Well, we see their very next action is why he allowed them to be defeated. Let's look. Let's turn back one more time. Uh, let's turn back to verse number three. And in verse three, it says, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, what? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. Now notice this next words, very key. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. It will. If we carry it into battle, it will save us. Not the Lord will save us. It will save us. They had more faith in this object than they did God. Remember, anti, antichrist, or the, the word anti means, it means against, but it also means instead of, in place of. So they were really uh, dealing with the spirit of idolatry. And this spirit had crept in. This was the seed of Satan. Instead of worshiping God, now they're worshiping this thing that God was using. They said, let's bring the ark of God in battle. Now, remember when Joshua was fighting, uh, when he was first coming into the promised land, they defeated Jericho and they sent just a few forces over there into Ai and they lost. They was a, with a great slaughter. The next thing Joshua did is go back and ask the Lord, hey, what happened? Why did we lose? He went back and asked God because God is his source. Right. Amen. But here in this case, they didn't go back and ask God. They got something that came from God, something that represented God. And they said, let's put it out there. It will save us. Notice the thinking of the culture because Phineas' wife really typified it because she said, once she understood the ark was taken, she said, the glory is gone. So 
For her and the people of Israel, the ark represented the glory of God. It was, in fact, the glory of God. Once the ark was gone, the glory was also gone. Today, we do a lot of that. Today, some well-meaning people will kneel down to a cross today and talk to the cross. Not thinking about what Jesus did on the cross, but they're talked to the cross. They're talked to a, a picture that looks nothing like Jesus, I'm sure. They're talked to a picture. They're talked to a statue. They'll kneel down beside it and they're talked to it as if it can save them instead of. Instead of having a relationship with Christ, they want to have a relationship with this. Now notice, I want you to see this, this same mindset. I mean, it's all throughout the people of God. Let's look further on in this case because the ark was captured, of course, and, and then the ark came back. It's a long story about that. But now uh, the ark is there at Ramoth, or rather is at uh, Kirith-Jerim. Kirith-Jerim, it's there. Now I want you to see the people's recovery as they begin to now begin to seek God, but see their mindset even about this. Let's look at 1 Samuel 7. 1 Samuel 7. It says, uh, 1 Samuel 7, verse number 2. It said, The ark remained in Kareth Jerim uh, for a long time, 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. No ark means no God. They placed their trust, their faith in a thing, but not him. Now notice this, because we can put our trust in money. We can put our trust in possessions. We can put our trust in the system of things, put our trust in checks and in the job, social security, and then the doctor, put our trust in all these things instead of Christ. And this is the seat of Satan. From that place, because these are things that he can manipulate and control. And he will do that. He will manipulate and he will control it because as long as our faith is in something else other than the Lord, he gets in as a slippery snake. And he's, his, his goal is to control, to ensnare, and to dominate. You got what we're saying today? Let's go on further. Why don't you see this? Verse number three says, Then Samuel said to all said to all the people of Israel, if you want to return to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of what? Your foreign gods and your images of astral. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from your, or rather from the Philistines. Notice it says, get rid of all these other idols. What's happening? When they were fighting the Philistines, when the ark was captured, all of them had idols at home. They were worshiping God and worshiping their idols. So all they did was say, let's bring this other idol into battle. This other thing that we've been worshiping, along with all the other things we've been worshiping, let's just bring this on into battle too, and it will save us. It will turn the battle. In other words, they replace relationship with religion. 
They were expecting their religion to save them. Notice how the prophet said to them, if you want to return to God. Now, I love that. He says in verse number three again, if you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, he says, God didn't leave, you left. You left. He says, put away all the other idols. And this is something that we're going to have to do. You're going to have to ask the Lord seriously in your heart, in your own private time, and even you can start right now, Lord, what are the idols that I have erected in my heart? What are the idols that I've erected in my life? Holy Spirit, reveal these idols, reveal the seat of Satan that I may overturn it. Overturn the seat of Satan in me. Overturn this. Look, and he says, turn your hearts uh, to the Lord and obey him alone. And rather then he will rescue you from the Philistines. Now they begin to do this. Look at verse number four. The Israelites got rid of their idol, got rid of their images of Baal and, and Asheroth and worshiped only the Lord. So for a period of time, there were, it was not God only. It was God and others. God and others. We're doing the same thing today. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? So I'm always at work. What are you doing when you're not at work? Where's your thought life going? What's on your mind? What's in your heart constantly? How much time do we spend in the word of God? How much time do we spend in prayer? What else has our attention? What is instead of Christ in your life? Ask God, what is instead of Christ in my life? What am I replacing Jesus with? That's the seed of the enemy. His goal is to skillfully take your faith from God and put it on something else that can be controlled and can be manipulated because he knows that if your faith was in Christ alone, if you worship Christ alone, then the enemy cannot defeat you. He cannot defeat you. So he's doing his best to divide your focus to give you something else Instead of give you an antichrist, something else for you to worry about all the time, something else you think about all the time. And you're so consumed with this. You're no longer praying, no longer seeking the face of God. So consumed with work, so consumed with projects, so consumed with relationships, so consumed about money, so consumed about the health, so consumed about our children, so consumed about the boss, so consumed about our spouse, so consumed about all these other things instead of. Christ. And we become divided. And the enemy just slowly slips right in and begins destruction. Israel began to turn their hearts back to God. Now, I want you to notice something. When they began to turn their hearts back to God and worship the Lord only, things didn't get better. It got worse. I want you to show you this. It got worse. Look at verse number five. Then Samuel told them, gather all uh, of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and uh, in a great ceremony drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. It was at Mizpah 
that Samuel became Israel's judge. They repented. They fasted and prayed. They repented. They got rid of all this other stuff. It would seem to be at this point now that things would get a whole lot better. But remember, they had been worshiping something else for a while. And the moment you begin to retreat from that, it gets angry and then begins to come back against you. Are you hearing? Let me show you what happened in verse number seven. When the Philistines, rather, when the Philistine rulers heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, when they heard that Israel repented, when the devil heard that they had repented, that his seat was overturned, they mobilized their army. The Philistines mobilized their army uh, and advanced. The Philistines, rather, the, the Israelites were badly afraid or frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. They say, God, we repented. What is this? When the devil learned that you began to throw away those idols, that his control over your life was dwindling or destroyed when you overturned his seat, overturned his authority, and you said, I will worship Christ, I'll worship him only. He begins to advance and attack. Why are we saying this? Because some of you will decide to make, you'll, you'll, you'll pray and you'll ask God to help you get rid of these idols in your life, get rid of the seat of Satan in your life. And the enemy is not going to like that. But look, look what happens afterwards. So the people were afraid. Verse 8, they, they said, uh, don't stop pleading uh, with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines, they begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered him. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, just as they were at church, just as they were in Bible study, just as they were praying in the spirit, just as Samuel was, was uh, sacrificing burnt offerings, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel uh, chased, chased them um, from Mizpah to a place called Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. Amen. Notice the ark was not present. But God was. He was showing them, hey, I'm right here. How many times have Hollywood have shown us vampire killers and go on there, they're going to take a cross here. This will ward you away. But how many images have you seen of witches and warlocks wearing crosses around their neck? The power of the cross is a reminder of what Jesus did. What Jesus did for us. The price that he paid. It is not meant to take his place. Are you hearing? Now the people of Israel had a long, I mean a long stretch of this. A long stretch of this replacing thing going on. This, this replacing thing. Let's look at Judges the 8th chapter. Judges the 8th chapter. Because again, this is so insidious. 
that without a shaking, you can be wrapped up in it and not even know it. But one way that you'll know that something is wrong is if you had usually been winning. Prayers normally been answered, but the enemy's overcoming you. Why, Lord, am I, why are you allowing the devil to defeat me? What's going on? There's a seat of Satan there, idolatry, that needs to be overturned. If the Lord had allowed, if he had come to the rescue of, of Israel's uh, rescue there in the battle, the first battle we talked about, then they would have thought, oh, God is with us. He's doing this. But the Lord knew. Y'all got all this stuff you're worshiping back at home. Your loyalty is divided. You're not about me. You're about all this other stuff. And if he'd allowed them to win there, then they would have continued in the same cycle, the same pattern. So he allowed them to lose so they could look to him and overturn this, overturn the seat of Satan. Gideon made a sacred ephod there in Judges, the eighth chapter, Judges 8, verse 27. Gideon made a sacred ephod uh, uh, from the gold and put it in Ophrah, uh, his, his hometown, but soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it. And it became a trap for Gideon and his family. I like what King James says. King James said the people of Israel went a-whoring after it. They went a-whoring after it. Begin to worship it. Not the Lord. It. Let's go to 2 Kings 18. 2 Kings 18 talks about King Hezekiah and what he had to do when he became king in Israel. What did he have to do? 2 Kings 18, verse number 4, it says, He removed the pagan shrines. This is in Israel. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made, because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. You remember that bronze serpent in the wilderness? God told the people, who, whoever looks, you've been bitten by a snake, whoever looks at this will live. And now, instead of worshiping the Lord, they worship it. Now the king had to come and knock that thing down. There had been a shaking in it because the people were still doing it. Instead of worshiping the Father, let's do this. Because this other thing, this other thing doesn't judge you. This other thing here will not tell you that you're in sin. This other thing, as a matter of fact, this other thing won't say anything to you at all. It won't love you either. It won't save you either. They did this instead of Christ. So the spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. And Satan is weaving this within the church. And there'll be a lot of people that say, Lord, Lord, we serve you, we worship you, we honor you, Lord, Lord. And Jesus said on judgment day, there'll be many people that will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we done this for you and have we done that for you? He'll say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. You're worshiping something that had the appearance of me, but it was not me. Let me say this as our closing. There was a dear brother, dear man, who 
uh, he was going to travel, travel for a while, so he gave his, uh, his girlfriend a picture of him and said, here, let this picture remind you of me. And so she cherished that picture. He was out of communication for a while. And she cherished the picture and began to talk to the picture, began to stroke on the picture. Tears fell on the picture. She really missed him a whole lot. He finally came back home, stood in the door, and he said, hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here. She began to continue to talk to the picture. The man was now right there in the room. But she continued to talk to the picture. How many of us are doing that? Jesus is right here with us. But we're talking to something else instead of him. You know, people can worship the Bible. They can worship the Bible. The Bible contains the word of God. But they will tell you, don't touch my Bible. Don't touch that communion table. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. It is sacred. It is sacred. They give more honor to it. But yet still they go home and they beat their wives and their children. They curse you out. They're fussing all this other stuff. Hit the pound sound on that. You got what I'm saying to you? A false, instead of, instead of me worshiping God, instead of worshiping God, they worship a thing. And it's very insidious. And that's what we're going to, let's go to one more verse and we're going to close out today. Let's go to James, the fourth chapter, James 4, verses 4 through 10. James 4, verses 4 through 10. Because this is a word the Lord talks about today. And an adulterous and a idolatrous generation. The end time church, you will find a lot of adultery and idolatry. And that's there because the enemy is trying to get your focus off of Christ where the power is and onto yourself, onto your money, onto religion, onto entertainment, onto politics, onto social media, everywhere else to divide your focus instead of Christ. Instead of Christ, having a true intimate relationship with Christ. Everywhere else, except for him. Because he knows of your relationship, if your attention is on him, there's no in world the devil can defeat you. But if your attention is divided, he'll wear you out. Look at this warning here, James 4, chapter, James 4. It says this, verse number 4. You adulterers, don't you realize that that uh, friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I say again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scripture um, having, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. In other words, he wants your worship in him alone. Verse six, and he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God 
opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. We need to repent, church. We place so many things instead of him. So many things. Again, religion has played such a big part. You don't have to have a relationship with Jesus. Just do these things. Just make sure you do all these things and God will let you in. Idolatry is also making an image, making an image of the real thing and then again worshiping it. So people are calling. They say, I don't, I don't want to serve a God that will put people in hell. I don't want to serve a God that, that will do that. That's not the God I know. That is idolatry. Because there is a hell. And our Father is just. And if we don't receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of our lives, hell will be our eternal home. You can't say that God is true and just and loving is kind without understanding also that he has wrath. It is not God's intent for anyone to perish. That's why he gave his son to die a horrible death so that we wouldn't have to go there. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've lied, we've stolen, we've cheated, we've, we've done so many things. We've looked with lust, that is, that's adultery. We may not have murdered, but we've hated someone. And that means that all of us were in danger of hellfire. Death is the punishment of sin. Death is that. So the Father didn't want any of us to perish, so he sent Jesus to pay the price for us. Jesus paid the fine. Jesus paid for it. And by believing in him and trusting in him, our sins are washed away and we become new and we want to serve the Father. We want to serve him with all of our might and all of our strength. Today is that day of salvation and we have to overturn the enemy's life, overturn his authority in our lives. And we can only do that when we trust in Jesus and him alone. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that uh, the word that you've just given us today, Lord, I pray that it will go deeply into our hearts. Lord, I pray that we will overturn, that you, that your spirit would overturn the enemy, overturn Satan in our lives, that we would not serve him in any way, that we would serve no other gods before you. First commandment you gave us. Lord, if there's any place where we are harboring idols, where we're hiding them, Lord, we pray for that shaking. We pray for that overturning because that's the place where the enemy can enslave us and dominate us. So Lord, we ask that you reveal it by your spirit and through the help of your spirit, help us to repent just like Israel did. Help us to repent and to put all those things away 
and worship you and you alone. And Father, I pray that those who, who are listening and watching right now from all around the world, if they don't know you, they don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that today they will repent of, your, they will repent of their sins and turn their hearts to you and believe in Jesus, believe the gospel. We thank you, Lord God, for what you've done. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys so much. Visit our website at kingdomrock.org. Contact us. Let us know how we can help you. All right? We'll see you guys on the next time. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.